podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to this Zybrits podcast. I'm your host Ross Chalmers and this is our immediate match reaction to Rangers 0-0 draw with Sparta Prague tonight in Czech Republic. I'm joined to, to assess that one by John Walker. John, how are you? Good, mate. Good, good. Feeling feeling quite positive. Content. I think, I think we'll stick with content. I won't go positive. I'm content with what I just watched. Yeah, I was saying to you just before we started recording there that I was on this when we uh, lost to Aris Limassol a couple of weeks ago. So I think anything will be better than that. I'm, I was quietly looking forward to this coming on after that result a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, that, that I'm trying to be positive like yourself. We'll just get we'll just get stuck into it, John. There's a there's a few things I want to ask you specifically tonight, kind of about the the approach that Rangers had tonight with that back three. Um, I'll rhyme off the team to start with. It was Jack Butland, James Tavernier. Conor Golson, John Sutter, Ben Davis, and Abdallah Sima in a back three, back five. It was Nicholas Raskan, uh, John Lundstrom, Todd Campwell, Sam Lammers, and Dessers. I've not rolled that one down, so that's right off the top of the head. So yeah, it was a back three we started with tonight. I thought, I'll just give you my assessment in the first half, I thought we struggled a wee bit in the first half, John, maybe in the first 20, 25 minutes. Now, I'm, I'm not sure if that's necessarily to do with the back three or whether it was just coming to an environment like that, an away game in Europe, you can expect to be under pressure in the first 20, 30 minutes. How how did you look at that first 20, 30? Did you think it was to do with the, the tactical approach? Or what were your thoughts on it? A, a little bit. I think when you're when you're short, it's all well and good working on stuff in the training ground, but it's, it's something else when you're actually doing it on a pitch in a way, in a European tie against a really good attacking side. I think a lot of the fear really was around the, the left-hand side because Karabek's a really good player. And I think Davis playing a left centre half position, covering a lot of channel with that guy. I think we needed Seema back further than we did, which then brought the whole team back further. And like you kind of said, it came maybe a bit more like a five than a three um, for the first 25 minutes. And I think that's why they, they looked at the complete domination because we all kind of criticise Dessers for, for the work rate he can't really exert. It's just not a style of play to be hounding every centre half chasing down channels, especially when it's a back three. But when that becomes a back five, he's even more isolated and you're asking him to do even more. So the ball was getting cleared, the ball was coming back, and it did feel for the first 30 minutes, we were just waiting for them to get their goal. Yeah, did, did you think it... I, I understand it's a system that, you know, we've not used a lot. We've used it in kind of spells with Michael Beal. It's obviously something that Philippe Clement's used in the past, but I think he's maybe he's been forced into that tonight. Did did that to you just look like a team in the first 30 minutes that just didn't really understand where they had to be? I think especially when we had possession, I felt like we were turning it over very quickly. There was a lot of sloppy areas. Like you said, Serial Dessers couldn't hold the ball at all. Now, that's not just based on tonight, right? That's I think we've seen that as a pattern now. But do you think there's... I think what I'm trying to ask you, John, is do you think there's enough in there that Rangers should stick with this? Is this something you expect to see long term? I know I, I spoke to you on the podcast last week and you felt this was maybe a system. You've now seen it. Is this something you'd like to see them stick with or did tonight give you a bit of fear? <laughs> I think it's something I'd like to see in Europe. Um, it's definitely yeah. something I'd like to see with a natural left-sided wing-back, full-back um, and our what I hope would be our two preferred centre-forwards that can build a relationship and play. I just think we're in a situation now. We said it before the match, the reason he went the three was because he didn't have a left-back, and we all kind of seen the rationale on that. If you don't have a left-back, and this was the biggest thing with um, a little bit with Van Bronckhurst, was if you don't have wide players, maybe don't play a 4-3-3. If you've not got left-backs, don't play a back-four. 
Just do the yeah. simple thing. The simple thing is change your system to suit the players you have at your disposal. Right now, we don't really have any wide players at Rangers, so why not have a system that puts two centre-forwards on? Because in my opinion, we've got two brilliant centre-forwards. Um, one of them's in complete, unbelievable form, and we're going to talk about him later. But the performance he put in at left wing-back tonight was was brilliant. Yeah, I thought in that, especially just leading up to half-time, John, I thought there was a few times that Sparta got down their right or left, and I thought Seema done really well. Not necessarily every time he was he was making a challenge, but he was just covering the run, and he was putting pressure on the attacker, and it helped so much Ben Davis on that side. He felt he could come across. It was more of a, he, was, he had to stick to where he was positionally because Seema was doing his running for him. And I think Seema's definitely someone we'll come on to as the podcast progresses, but I think he is really, he's definitely shown the appetite to play for Rangers, isn't he? Like, it doesn't matter what he's been asked to play, he's, he's, he's got a bit of dig about him. I think tonight as well, he's going back to an environment he's played in before, that maybe had a wee bit in him, he wanted to go and prove himself over there again. So, I think lots of positives for Abdallah Seema again tonight. Back three, uh, my assessment is I'm not completely sold on it yet. Um... There just wasn't enough for me in that first half. I know we ended up playing the system the majority of the game, right? And I know we came into it in the second half. I think there's a little bit to do with Sparta maybe taking their foot off the gas, which we'll get into. But ultimately, that first half, it was a wee bit... It just didn't... I didn't feel the players looked comfortable, but that's maybe that's maybe quite a harsh assessment considering it's not a system they use a lot. So I'd certainly like to see it again, but I'd like to see it a wee bit more effective if we see it again. And But it makes sense in a European environment. I completely agree with you, especially... In a game like that tonight, where Sparta are going to lot of, put a lot of pressure on you, I think it helped Tavernier out at times tonight with Goldstone on that right hand side. I think there was times where Tavernier was beat, you know that that's going to happen. But I think it helped him with that cover. So positives and negatives in there for me. We'll just talk about some of the we'll talk about some of the Sparta chances in the in the first half, John, because there was a there was a double save from Jack Butland very early on. I think in the first five minutes from I think it's Ber- Bermansevich, I think who looked. Very good, by the way. Uh, very good player for Sparta. I think he played for Malmo a couple of years ago against us in the qualifier as well. So he's well known to, to that Rangers squad. Really good block in there in the six-yard box as well from John Lundstrom late in the first half. That was that looked like a certainty to go in and he makes a great block. I thought they just had a lot of chances. Were you surprised that it was nil-nil at halftime? Because I felt Sparta, were, I think they definitely deserve to be ahead eh, based on the chances they created. Yeah, I think... The finishing wasn't great, and I think that was something I'd kind of noticed from them, was they do get a lot of volume of chances, but the finishing isn't quite what it is there. They were missing a couple of key attacking players. Um, I do think Bermanchevich was really, really good as well, but I do think they were lacking just that that clinical touch. Um, I think you've seen that even later in the second half. I don't think, I don't know if I'm being disrespectful, but I don't know if Butland pulled off any saves I would expect him not to make. I think the double save mm. we're referencing, I think he makes a bit of a meal of the first one. To be honest, I think he could do better with that. But yeah, he, he stopped the stuff that was near him. Um, but I don't think he was ever really overly challenged with those chances. Yeah, I think you're probably right there, actually. Then now thinking back to the chances, like a few of them are at him. You would expect Jack Lawton to save. But I think it's maybe more about the moments of the game. And it's probably something we've seen from Alan McGregor a lot in his time at Rangers, where he just makes, it's maybe not the, well, Alan McGregor had a lot of, absolutely ridiculous saves right but there were certain times in Europe where it's a save you expected to make but he had to make it and I felt that a wee bit with Jack Button tonight we were under pressure and he's done it he's done it in numerous games for us so far this season he's clearly shown like a a great bad business from Rangers we don't get to say that a lot John so I'm going to keep bringing that up 
every single time he has a great game, Jack Bottom, I'm going to keep bringing that up. Um, do you know, do you know what it is, mate? So, sorry to interrupt, but it, it's something no, that I've noticed. It's something I've noticed with Scotland a little bit, um, and I get a lot of backlash for this with the Angus Angus Gunn praise. Is that they say, oh, Angus Gunn's not done an awful lot. Angus Gunn's the first Scotland goal that comes out of his box to sweep up behind. And we know as Rangers fans, that's not something we've been too accustomed to. Jack Butland came out in the, the first, near the end of the first half and Goldson was done for pace and he came about 30, 35 yards out. And see, to be honest, from that moment, I felt with the back three looked so much more comfortable going another 10 yards up the park and pressing a wee bit higher. And see, without really... And then, so those, so the combination of those saves just stopping the ball going in and then sweeping up behind I think in the second half you kind of seen us squeeze a wee bit higher a wee bit further up we were more comfortable with our centre half getting more high which then meant Seaman Tavernier although they didn't have a lot of quality in the final third they were just higher up and we were then turning the ball over the same way they were to us consistently after 60 minutes and I do think it's just those little things that Jack Butland grows grows the defence and confidence it's a back three we've never tried it before you know you've got a world class international goalkeeper behind you you calm down and you just see a bit more control in the game and the way we were defending and when we had the ball. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. I think that was a really big moment of that first half because it looked like a certainty of a chance for Sparta and he comes out so far off his line and you referenced it there. It's not something we have seen. I think we've seen uh, Robin McCrory doing it a wee bit at the end of last season, but it just wasn't part of Al McGregor's game. It just wasn't. that. Like Later on, especially at Rangers, it just wasn't part of his game. That's fine, all goalkeepers are different, but I think it, especially in an environment like that, when you're right, when you are trying to be, put a wee bit more pressure on the ball, you're trying to move up, you're caught in behind and your goalkeeper's off the line. I, I think it's really good. It's probably underrated. And yeah, the relationship between Jack Butland and that defence can only get better with, with those kind of interactions. So yeah, really positive. We'll, we'll just jump into the second half then, John, because I, I really don't want to talk about the first half anymore because it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't great for our perspective, right? So we'll just skim by it. Um what did you think about the, this is maybe an opportunity to ask you how you would have maybe approached the game differently, because at that point I think people would have said we, I mean, we don't need to make personnel changes, but we maybe have to change something in terms of the system. Is there anything within that team, you maybe you would stick with the back three, is there anything you would have changed? For me, it would have, Dessers just looked to be struggling, and this is maybe a wider conversation, but Serial Dessers to me just doesn't appear to be that one-man striker that he's going to dominate defences, he's going to hold the ball up, he's going to bring others in. I've just, I've not got that from him at all any time I've watched him. That doesn't necessarily mean he's a bad player, right? I know there's a lot of critics out there at the moment, me, myself, but there's there's definitely has other qualities in there, especially in his finishing. You've seen that at the weekend against Hibs. For me, I think in a game like that away in Europe, would you not be better playing a Danilo? I know, you know he's just coming back from a really bad injury, but you know that his movement, his pace as well, his ability to drag the ball out wide, hold it, hold it up for others. He just he made a difference, I felt, when he came on in that second half. Is was that one of the areas you would have looked at? Is there anything else you would have changed? Um I think with Dessers, one of the things I don't I don't know I don't know who we need to contact. I don't know if it's the GPS company. I would like to know how much running Dessers does out of possession compared to when in possession, because it seems like anytime we win the ball back, he's never willing to move. But I do see him chasing three centre halves down to try and press the ball, to try and force him to go inside, to try and force him to go forward. He never seems to press to force a team back. He seems to try and force him to go into midfield, to go forward, to get our press on him. And he does seem to cover a lot of ground doing that. And I think there was a there was a wee flick on from Seema early in the second half. And I did think, why are you not closer to him when that's gone up to him? 
but there was like a pattern 30 seconds before where it was down the left centre half and he was the one pressing. So I do think sometimes maybe he's covering too much ground out of possession and then just by the standard of how much running you're doing, he's maybe blowing at his ass by the time we turn it over and then we're expecting it too quick because we weren't really building up a lot. We were turning it over quite quickly and going forward quite quickly. I think what you probably see when Danilo come on, yes, he made a massive impact. I would agree with that, but I think we had more control of the game at that point. John yeah. Suter found every line that he needed to break to find Raskin, to find Lundstrom, to find Campbell. He was finding all those little areas, even Scott Wright a few times. To see that kind of composure and finding those areas, I think there was a few times I've seen Ben Davis go, looked at like he was going to head the ball and pulled it down in his chest, played a pass inside. We kept the ball. So when Danilo came on, we had much more control and were in their half. The only thing I would have changed at half time, and I was kind of surprised they didn't, was Panic or Panic kept moving into centre mid instead of being the middle centre half. I would have just told Dessers to stay on him at all times and told Cantwell and Lammers to be the wide players on those centre halves. And it would have stopped that overload that was causing them to break us. Every time they broke four on three on us, it was because Panic had went in there and Cantwell, Dessers and Lammers were crossing over who was meant to be following. You've seen Cantwell quite a lot would go and press a centre-half and point to Dessers to go in behind him. And Dessers was then off it, and it was gone. Raskin or Lundstrom had to then go press him, pass around him, and then their two centre-mids were on our back three with three forwards. That was the only thing I would have changed. I would have had Panic dropping in front of Dessers so that we could see the three centre-halves on the ball. Instead, it was their goalkeeper that was getting the ball, and Dessers was kind of stuck in between what to do. And any time he went to the keeper, it was popped around him. And their keeper twice when we tried to press and do that, put it straight over the top and they were clean through and yeah. goal. So that was the only thing that bothered me. But I think you've seen a lot of the energy they exerted in the first hour um, trying to press yeah. us in the back three. Because I was really surprised at the time that they took off um, Bamanchevich and Karabek. I was really surprised. But then see when I'm thinking of it back, they were so aggressive on Davis and Suter every time it went to them. They didn't want. They were happy to have Goldson have the ball because they knew Goldson was the one with the better distribution. So they let him play it to the side because they were like, if he's not going to be the one in the side playing the diag, he can have it in the centre of the pitch. But the minute it went to Suter, that they pressed so aggressively, and it was. I think in hindsight, it made sense that they two had to come off at sixty because they had very little to offer. And I think yeah, completely burst. Yeah. I done. Yeah, no, I think you made a lot of good points there. I think on Cyril Dessers, and that's probably something that's missed a lot in terms of his pressing. He does seem to press pretty well. Like he always angles his run. He's he's trying to show players in certain areas where to play the ball. I think what doesn't look great for him sometimes he does all that work, and teams just pop it round him and they're out. And it's just because our press just isn't. That's not necessarily Dessers' fault. It's the it's the men behind him backing him up. And I think sometimes he looks. Do you, know, do you get what I mean? He, he looks the guy that's out of place because he's doing the hard yards and he's trying to show people places, but we're not far enough up at the park to, to make an impact off it. And it's the it's the thing that I think we said in the pod with Tommy, it's it's the duck on water. We only see the surface. For all we know, Rangers have worked on Dessels, forcing that pass into that area all week. That's been the that's been the phase of play. That's And the players are only doing it. And we are, as fans, going, Dessels is just doing a fake press, yeah. getting passed around. I would assume he wouldn't be starting if he was continually doing the wrong press and doing the wrong thing. I would assume it's the people behind him aren't high up enough to do what they should be doing in the next phase. Well, I think Philippe Comont's mentioned that already, hasn't he? That he wants his he wants his forward players, he wants all of his players to work hard, do that first of all, and and the goals will come. The goal, and and I think that I think he's really saying that to Desers, to be honest with you, because he's struggled a lot. So he's obviously looking at it and saying, listen, forget about it. 
it's all about the team winning. It doesn't matter who gets a goal. You just focus on doing what I want you to do for the team. And I think you're right. He, he wouldn't continue to play if he wasn't doing these things. So I'm hoping with time when uh, that team gets a wee bit more fluidity about it, I think we're still lacking that at this point. There's a lot of changes, injuries, whatever. I think you might see a better Dessers. And I just thought, I just think sometimes he really struggles in that single role. And I'm just trying to think of how how can we get more out of him? Not necessarily just take him out. Just Could you play a Danilo next to him? You know, could you could you forfeit a Lammers and you could just play Danilo to them? Do you maybe lose a bit in the build-up with that? It, it's one to think about, I think. I, I think that's where Roof's such a huge miss because I don't know if I'm becoming a bit of a Lammers apologist, but I just feel like there's something there. I feel like there's yeah. little bits where I go, does he have that little bit of link-up that I'm just missing? But he definitely doesn't have that killer instinct. And I'm like, Roof has really good link-up. And Roof has got that killer instinct in front of goal. If I'm looking at Rangers, any two strikers, if you're going to play the two up, Roof's one because he can link up and he can do the other part. And he's strong and he will run all day and he will be aggressive with people. I just think Lammers, if you've got Campbell there, you don't also need a Lammers. You've got Raskin who can also link the play up. Um, so I think I, I do think Dessers has to, although I, I don't think he was. I don't think he was bad tonight. I just think he was—he didn't really have any chance to con- contribute. I think I think at a hard time. I think the one that came bouncing over the top of him. I think the commentary were a wee bit harsh on him. I don't think he could have done much more. It's bouncing with a keeper jumping up towards him. I'm not really sure what else he could have done with that effort. But I do think there's a, an element of <laughs> Danilo. Danilo did look livelier. Aesthetically, yeah. he looked like he was in around. He looked like he was quick to pop off. He looked like he knew where he wanted to go, just thinking of the chance he had. There was no hesitancy. He played it off. He went in behind and he was gone. That was him. So I, I do think I, I'm excited about him. I think he's the one that's. We're just waiting to see what he can really offer because I, I think him, him especially, could be something special. I think if you get you really start to get a good run of minutes in him, I think he'll fly because he he looks sharp without really having that behind him already. You know he's been out for quite a while. You know, and you've seen it uh, at the game away. Was it St Johnston where he, he was only you know the first start in a while and he scored after fifteen minutes. He just looks sharp all the time. Every time I see him, I think when he first came in, he maybe tried a wee bit too hard sometimes. But now I'm thinking, right, you've obviously found your confidence again. And he's, it, it just looks like he's dying to play as well. Every time he comes off the bench, he's just trying to make an impact. That can maybe go against you sometimes, but I think we've we've seen a lot of quality from him lately. I'll just I'll just summarise the the second half then, John. We can maybe have a a chat about some of the things that came out of that, and ultimately, you know, that result that we've got there tonight. At the second half, don't think we started well again. I think you could see from the the pictures that Clement was visibly not happy. Yeah, th- th- I think they they went to him a few times. They flashed up a graphic. I think in the sixtieth minute, I think Sparta had fifteen attempts and we had one. Um, now it's not. I've seen plenty of Rangers performances away from home before, where you've seen you know statistics like that. So it doesn't really worry me. But I think it just showed where we were in the game. But I thought after that, some of the substitutions that were made, I thought we really started to grow into the game. You made a good point earlier. I think Sparta started to tire. They put a lot into that first 60 minutes and ultimately you, you have to take your foot off the gas at some point. So I think we got the benefit from that. And and really, I think if you look at it with the chances that we created, we, we probably could have nicked it. Um, the one with Sam Lammers, it's, it's a really good save from the goalkeeper. I think Danilo hits the bar. I think Scott Wright on the edge of the box, he should do a lot better. He should at least get it on target for me. What's your, um, of course, as well, I should say, Goldson at the end completely slips 
and Sparta are in. And if they pick the right pass, we lose that game, right? So I, I think that's probably, it. in the end, it's probably a fair result based on the second half. Maybe not so much the first half. How do you how do you look at that? You know that second half, John. Did, did you just think right? We've got out of that. We'll we'll take the nil nil. Or were you a wee bit gutted that we didn't actually steal it in the end? No, I think I was a wee bit gutted. I think when I, I think by about sixty five minutes when I realised the kind of part on the play that had settled was that the subs they'd brought on weren't as good as the players they'd had on before. And um, Bermanchevic and uh, Karabakh, once they'd went off, I was like, I think if we get a wee bit more control about this, I think I think I can see. I keep saying this, I can see John Suter breaking lines with his passing. It's a wee bit more what I'm used to seeing. It's a couple of times where I think Lammers could have found Raskin and Seema was then out in the left. And it was just the final ball, Campwell's pull back. Danilo's the save that goes in off the cross, hits off the crossbar. There was a couple of scrappy ones that was bouncing around the box. I think in hindsight, I, I, I've seen us in the ascendancy. If it had been another 10 minutes, if, if we had made those changes and they had those changes, I think we would have taken full control and taken advantage and got the, got the win. Yeah, I, I have to say, I, I think I agree with a lot of what you said there. I, I think once I got to maybe around the 75th minute mark, it was very much like, well, we'll just take a draw now. But then the way that we came into the game, you just it's always the same as a football fan, isn't it? You forget what's just happened for 70 minutes. And it's very much like, we can win this, we can win this. So I think overall, I'll look at it as a good result. But yeah, we probably could have... We probably could have stole it in the end. I'd like to talk about, just before we maybe talk about the context of the group, what that means. And I wanted to talk about the three centre-backs tonight, John, because we've touched on Seema. I thought he was really good. Maybe not so much just about a back three, right? The, not just the tactical aspect of that. I just thought the three centre-backs tonight, other than that Golton mistake at the end, I thought they'd done really well. I thought John Souter and Dan Davis looked very comfortable in wide areas. They looked good defending there. I thought they were all pretty good in the air, dealt with anything coming into the box from set pieces and things like that. How did you assess them tonight? Is that Does that give you encouragement that these three can play together moving forward? I honestly think like, it's hard to say because I think if it was domestically, I think I've said in Europe I'd really like to see this. I think domestically you'd need to do a 3-4-3 or something slightly different to make it not seem so flat or seem so defensive. But what I do feel is if you had a back three butling behind it of Souter, Goldson and Davies, most games, we don't lose a lot of goals in that team. Therefore, we don't drop points in the league. So although the aesthetic of playing good football is the aim, and that is always what we'll demand because it's a lot of money to follow Rangers now, if you're building a team and building a winning philosophy, the first thing you have to do is sort your back door out. You have to fix the back door and make sure people aren't getting through that. If you don't concede goals, you will win games because Rangers will score goals domestically. It's that simple. It's the sloppy goals have been conceding. John Souter is an old-school centre-half who's really good at passing as well. John Souter will throw himself in the line, will get himself in front of blocks. I think of their volley that just went past the, the near post in the first half. He's the only one that's like chucked himself across people to try and block it. He is old school. Him and Connor Goldson will not lose a lot of headers. They are really commanding in the air, in the box. Ben Davies, I actually looked a bit more commanding about him. I don't know if it's because he's got the comfort of the sweeper behind him or maybe just having Seema doing that work or maybe just being part of a free block. He just looked a bit more comfortable. As I said, there was a couple of times where I thought just head it, pulled it down in his chest, found a pass. Always looked really, really confident on the ball. I, I think... Ben Davis was at Liverpool. He was at Liverpool for a reason. Like he, yeah. he had to be there for a reason. It wasn't just because he was good in the ball. They must have seen a defender in him as well. 
I think those three, if those three play together, those three come out with a clean sheet more often than not, especially when you've got the failsafe of an international goalkeeper behind you. Yeah, I think they've got a really good balance as well, John. I think all three of them complement each other really well. Um, ben Davis, I think, is really good with the ball at his feet, really good distribution. Something I really love about John Souter is his ability to bring the ball out from the back. I think we've seen that a lot against Hibs the other day. Something that I think is really, really underrated for a, for a central defender. Can you do it every single time you're in possession? No, but the ability to either play a ball through the lines, which he can to break a press, or carry the ball yourself to break a press, it's so underrated, especially in a European environment like that, where you're being pressed high up the park. And you know, that's the thing that was really surprising to me. See if you told me, in possession, point to me what Connor Goldson's good at. Think Ryan Kent. That, yeah. that dialogue. <laughs> so see, to me, as much as I like the back free setup, those two players are the wrong way around. Because for mm. me, John Souter is the, the Harry Maguire when he's at England. He is the one in the middle of those back three that should be allowed to step into centre midfield and try and provoke another press. And then he's got different angles of passes because he's comfortable playing it right or left, breaking lines, finding midfielders. he take that risk. If you look at a lot of the passes in the second half, he's still breaking the lines, but he's having to come across diagonally, three midfielders to try and do it. And that is commendable as it is because it always worked. It's a fucking risky pass. It's a really yeah. risky pass. If you put him in the middle, driving out because he looks very comfortable. You've seen him even in their half when I think he pops a ball through to Tavernier and for some reason gets a free kick given. He's comfortable driving with the ball. He will commit defenders and attackers to come to him. And he's so comfortable, as you said, finding those line-breaking passes. If he's the one there and then Lundstrom and Raskin can be a bit higher and Campwell as a 10, you've got that diamond that Bill wanted, but you've also still got your back three sitting there. The minute that ball's popped away, John Sutter drops back in and Connor Goldstein covers the channel and everyone's back in where they are. So my only surprise with the back three was the way it was set up, was I would add Goldson as the right centre-half. Yeah, I've spoke to Tommy about this before, actually, and I, I, I think he agrees with you. I can't actually remember what he wrote, but I've definitely had this discussion before, and yeah, I think, it is, I think it's really interesting. I think it was something to actually, you could probably have a whole podcast in itself about the balance of those centre-backs, because I think we do have good you know, have three good centre-backs there. I know there's criticism of Ben Davis. It will probably never, ever go away, but I genuinely think there is a quality centre-back there. And if he's surrounded in a system that, that benefits him, you will see the best of him. And I think you've seen some of that tonight. So I think there's definitely positivity. We'll just we'll just wrap up the podcast then, John, and get your thoughts on the group overall. Um, my assessment on that is I think that's a really, really positive result tonight. Uh, I understand that, you know, you probably want to go away. We are top seed in the group, you probably got to want to go away and win based on the result of Limassol, but Sparta have shown that they're a pretty good side. I think they're top of their own league at the moment. I think that's a really, really positive result based on that first half as well, and I think it gives us a great opportunity to progress through this group, and, and ultimately that's got to be the aim, doesn't it? Yeah, 100%. For me, it's... I, obviously, I think a lot of people have seen it. I've done a wee analysis thing, and the one thing I was certain about with Sparta-Prague was that they would score tonight. I was absolutely certain they would be scoring tonight. They're averaging three and a half goals in the league a game, mm. which is amazing. They scored three against Copenhagen, who are currently in the Champions League group, who only conceded one to Man United. They are night and were lucky not to get a draw. They scored four against Dinamo Zagreb at home, as well in a 4-1 win, which got them through. They're a team, and they put three past the race, they're a team that will score goals, and especially at home with their crowd, will put two or three past most European teams that are probably without being disrespectful of themselves that are at our level. 
I would consider us in with the bracket of Copenhagen. Dinamo Zagreb, I would put us in that same kind of category of we're not quite Champions League, we're probably a good uh, European side in one of the lower competitions. But they were putting three and four past those teams. So for, for me, to keep that clean sheet without a natural left-sided player, a couple of players playing themselves back into fitness, Raskin looked fine as the game went on, but he's another person I would consider still trying to come over an injury. I think getting a draw, I think we said that in our group chat, I think a draw was the aim tonight from the start. I was more than content if we get out with a nil-nil, keeping momentum going, because I think the bigger thing we have is the next next three games. Yeah, I think an interesting comment as well was from the press conference yesterday, John, when uh, Philip Colomb was talking. I think someone asked him about the, you know, his view on this game, whether Rangers had to win and things, and he said, well, it'll be based on the game. You know, it could be that we have to, we're under pressure, we score a late winner or a late equaliser, should I say, and you take the draw. So I think that's probably the way that the fans are looking at it as well. It's very much, we'll take a draw, could we maybe get a result out of it? You know, like... I think overall, I think we should be more positive than negative about tonight. I think it was a difficult first half, um, but I think Rangers showed a lot of resilience to stay in the game. I understand that, that Sparta missed chances, but you've got to respond to that. Um, I think they did in that second half, and I think ultimately we, we should view it as a positive result, and it, and it really puts us back into a, a really positive position again, because I think Betis beat Aris Limazol tonight, so the group kind of opened up again. Um, looks like real Betis will probably be the ones that will battle us for the top two, so yeah, I think we'll leave it on that. I think that's been a has been a lot more positive than that uh, Aras Limassol uh, review that I done a couple of weeks ago. What I will say as well is I will leave um, John's analysis of Sparta Prague in the description of this video so people can catch up on it because obviously we're going to be playing them again in a couple of weeks, so it's still going to be relevant. We'll maybe ignore the point where you said that they were definitely going to score tonight. Don't don't read that part, but we'll <laughs> definitely we'll include the analysis in there so everyone can get a can get a flavour of that. Just remember, everyone. Find us on all the social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can catch up on the podcast and all your favourite uh, audio platforms as well. We're there. And yeah, just consider subscribing to the channel, liking the video. It really, really helps us out. And all I need to do now is thank John. John, thanks for your time. You're very, very welcome. That was amazing. Yeah, it was, yeah. I enjoy talking about Rangers when they actually get a positive result. Let's hope they, they start to bring in more wins and it'll be even better for me because <laughs> I'm usually put on when it was a poor result. So I'm thankful tonight I was here for a positive one. But yeah, thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you in the next one. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.